Okay, there's a guy sitting in the bar. The bartender says, hey, jackass, give me a drink. So the bartender pours him a drink. He drinks it. Sits there for a while. Says, hey, jackass, pour me another drink. So he pours another drink. The guy gets up and leaves. The guy that's sitting there says, hey, why do you let him call you jackass all the time? The bartender says, oh, he all, he all, he always calls me that. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you might as well fold because you don't stand a Chinaman's chance. Yeah. Uh, see y'all, and I'll raise you this. You can't bet managers. You can't bet managers. Okay, okay. We said time uh, and time again you can't bet managers. So I'll bet you Yankee. Piss on the Yankees, piss on the Indians, piss on the Phillies, piss on the Phillies, piss on the Phillies. Whoa, man. Let him finish the game. Okay? Make it quick. Okay. What did you say, Yankees? Mm -hmm. See your Yankee? <laughs> and I'll call you. I got three kings, read them and weep. <laughs> I got a straight to the queen. That's bullshit luck. Bullshit luck. That's enough. I'm dealing this. That's time. enough. Hey, look, can I say, can I at least say goodnight? I'll see you later. Yeah. I'll see you in the morning. Okay. I'll see you in the morning. Okay. Wake me up. Okay. No, I'll wake you up. Okay. Okay. <laughs> ah. Honey, ask your sister to help you. I'll be up in a minute. I will. It's me and Travis. No Eric this week. Eric is celebrating the love of his life, the reason for living. More important than other people, a partner is more important. And that's what matters most. And they're celebrating 15 years. So congratulations to our old friends. You guys. Congratulations, guys. Congratulations, everybody. Today, uh, we're going to do my selection, which is Silver Bullet, 1985 film. And we'll get to that in a little bit. But we got our special guest host subbing in for Eric. Whenever we need him in a pinch, he's there for us. You've heard him before on this show, though it's been a minute. Uh, what was the last episode you were on, Luke? Do you remember? I thought so. Blood Diner? Uh, <laughs> no, no. It was one, I think, one that Travis and I did uh, a tit, didn't we? Just the two of us? Oh. Yeah. Oh. Because I think, I think uh, Mike had to bail. I think I was filling in for Eric, and I think Mike had to bail. Now I can't that remember what it is. sounds... Right. I know there's been a couple episodes where I did it with no other Cinema 9 host, one with you and one with Christian. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, uh, I think that was the last one. Were you on Legend? I missed Legend. That was not, but I would have been. That was me and Eric. I, I can't remember. It's We're on 174 Legend's, here. Legend still holds up. I don't know well, about the. I don't know. I've never seen it. Was, yeah. I should have been there, so I could have seen that one. So. Yeah. Mm. You weren't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My <laughs> life's a failure. Uh, yeah, I don't know which I you definitely haven't been on an episode in a while because I'm going back in time. You know, none of these are you, and we're in the 140s now. We're at 174. This is episode 174. Ooh, so, doctor, it's definitely been a minute since Luke's been on, but either way, we're glad to have him aboard. And send him an iPod at gmail.com is how you can email the show. Travis, how you doing, man? I mean, it's feast week, we're excited, we're gonna have fun, right? 
Yeah, yeah, I'm very excited. Uh, I've been very busy. My brother got married over the weekend, and I officiated, so it was like oh, a wow. really big, uh, big family weekend. Yeah, yeah, lots of lots of family dinners, rehearsal dinner, all that kind of stuff. It was very uh, full weekend, but it was a beautiful wedding. Went off awesome. Congratulations to Hannah and Andrew. And also, shout out to uh, Is It Safe, which is another show that Luke and I do with our friend Steve. Mm. Uh, yeah. There was a bit about 25th hour on the last episode of Is It Safe? And it was less than a year ago. The 25th hour episode was in November of last year. So it was less than a year ago. And I brought up the bit about Brian Cox, which we crushed to death. <laughs> you get in the car, <laughs> you drive west, you think about something, you take a shit. You stop for a burrito. Right. <laughs> that, if you never heard the 25th hour episode, guys, it's really funny. The Brian Cox, yeah, you got to know the movie. So. Six months or so of, of us making Brian Cox. <laughs> <laughs> you got to see them. You got to know the movie. It'll make it that much funnier. I think out of context, it won't be as funny. Um, but yeah, so check that out and check out Luke and I over there. Is a safe pod gmail.com. We love doing the show because it's about movies. And sometimes people write in and they say things about movies. And lo and behold, it's Joe back for more. Oh, oh yes. So. Okay, Joe's going to give me credit on this. Last episode we did was uh, Event Horizon, which we all said mm -hmm. sucked. Luke, you ever see Event Horizon? Oh, uh, yeah, of course. I own the VHS. Ah. Mm, loved it, but uh, yeah, it's been a minute. Hold on. Who directed that? Paul W.S. Anderson. W.S. That's right, W.S. Anderson. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure you get the, w. the other Paul I Anderson. I could I could totally see it being a shitty movie. I don't know. It's been so long. I just thought I thought it was had some pretty cool, pretty cool effects. And I loved the idea that they were uh, uh, I guess we can spoil it on this one. Right. I mean, I love the idea that they like went to hell in space. It's sweet. Oh, see, we I didn't. OK, yeah, we're on different. I thought well, that was cool. Well, we did a whole episode I mean, on it so you can check that. <laughs> oh, out. I think I might have found it. Were you on the Cloverfield <laughs> 10 Cloverfield Lane episode? Yes, he was. That was me and Luke, wasn't it? I think that yeah, was Luke's yeah, last yeah, yeah. appearance. Wow. Right, figure it out. That was episode 130. So it's been almost a year. Oh, my God. That was October 13th, 2022. It's been a, literally a year since you were last Holy on the shit. show. Shut the fuck How about up? that? How's it been a year? Wow. That's wild. I know. Yeah. Well, we really that's, slowed down on that's crazy. guests. Too, We've been, so. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, It's been a year, Luke. There you go. I've not oh, wow. seen Ten Cloverfield Lane again. When I not, but I don't make these of shows. Apparently, I don't even see the movie, so I'm clueless. <laughs> but uh, Joe emailed in like yeah. you guys can at cinemanipod@gmail.com. Hey guys, just listen to the Event Horizon episode, and Govier brings up the Warhammer Forty Thousand connections. That's right. I did mention that, even though I had no context of what it was, other than it was possibly a role playing game, and I strangely have a connection to that game. <laughs> not sure if it's said that way or not for those that are actually into it, but we called it Warhammer 40K and not Warhammer 40,000. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Fucking idiot. <laughs> for, <laughs> first, my understanding is that its origin is a tabletop game. Little figurines of the characters, Space Marines, Orcs, oh. and various, yeah, one of those games. The figurines that's would come as, else. yeah, that's fun. The figurines would come as blanks and people would then painstakingly paint them. Oh my God. With their own livery and sigils. Livery? Livery. I, yeah. Livery and sigils. They then set up their armies and bases on a tabletop map and roll dice to move in battle. It is actually really popular. Well, that's the only reason I brought it up is I didn't know about it at all, but it seemed like it was popular enough that other nerds would know what it was. So. <laughs> and Joe, you apparently are one of them. Uh, Joe, I'm going <laughs> to skip this because you just talk about the game in great detail and... I don't care about it. No one else cares because we don't play the game. But uh, yeah, let's yeah. get real. Cheers, Joe Lowry. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for uh, emailing the show. Appreciate it. Yeah, we do appreciate it. Uh, even <laughs> if we're not going to go into the nitty gritty of Warhammer 40K. <laughs> oh, you said it right. Wow, you must be a pro. Okay. So. I am. I'm a professional Warhammer 40Ker. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Joe. It's good stuff. Appreciate it as always. And that's the emails for the. Oh, wait. Oh, is this a real one? Oh, shit. This is a really. Wow, we got another one. Cool. Oh, okay. This I thought it was a spam for a second. Spam. <laughs> Do you know this person? Uh, Robert Rose? No, I don't believe so. But hi, Robert Rose. Hey, Robert Rose. Are you an actual human being that we don't know listens to the show? That's cool. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Bobby Rose. 
Robbie Rose. Uh, hey, guys. I thought it important to send an email because I was walking past a marsh listening to the latest recording, <laughs> thinking about how nice and cool it gets in the fall, especially by marshes. <laughs> marsh chat. Welcome back to Marsh chat. Next topic, microwaves. Yeah, that's right. We had some good marsh talk on last week's episode. That's funny. Anyways, nothing cooler this time of year than listening to Cinema 9. Oh, always open and available to come back on if you oh this is robbie um i just i didn't i never well, think of his last now, name now we sound like assholes yeah well no i just uh, never think of his last name he's the guy who did the uh that movie fast and furious that's right was it fast and furious mm -hmm. oh yeah i remember robbie yeah he's a lot of fun would, would love to have him back with a better movie of course uh robbie's a friend of mine i i still know robbie and talk to him i, I just didn't know <laughs> i really have never associated you with your last name ever robbie so sorry if i just uh wasn't supposed to say your last name out loud. If I have to bleep this, but then you listen to it first, uh, that'll defeat the purpose. Okay. Well, yeah. Either way, uh, <laughs> always any, open and available. Any available hitmen will already have be on to him at that point. It's true. He's a Canadian. He's a nice guy, so he'll probably be fine with it. Always open and available to come back on if you find yourselves contemplating a food kitchen restaurant movie. Yeah, we did talk about that when he came on because he was a chef once upon a time. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. I'm not Bert. From the absence since my Fast and Furious, Burton quotation marks, <laughs> Fast and Furious debut, but could say I'm waiting in quotation marks to return with no reservation in quotation marks pending. <laughs> nice job, Robbie. Honey. That's good stuff. <laughs> Cheers, awesome. Chef Robbie, a.k.a. Gratitude. Thanks, buddy. Robbie, I'm so glad you emailed the show. Do it more often, bud. Nice to hear from you. Yeah. Thanks, I like man. you. You're a good man and thorough. Uh, all right. Well, let's get over to uh, Q... QV? QP? QVP? Yeah. QVP. QVP. Quarantine Viewing Picks. Quarantine yeah. Viewing Picks. Travis Roy. Oh, this is this should be easy. Uh, I watched one movie besides... Uh, what were we watching? Uh, Silver Bullet. Besides Silver Bullet, I watched one movie. It's funny. You know, I've developed this habit where I keep on coming in like... Whenever I get in on a late night, like I did after the wedding rehearsal the other night, where I've got a couple beers in me, and I'm like, oh, maybe I'll stay up for 20 minutes. But no, I'm going to put it on a movie that I'm going to stay on for like, I don't know, hours and watch. The Batman. I keep on watching The Batman. I end up not finishing it that night, but mm. uh, I rewatched The Batman yet again. And I just love it more every time. So more Batman. More The Batman. The Batman. Yep. A You're shaking desire. your head. You don't understand. I haven't had a desire to watch the Batman. Yeah, so, I just cool. never get enough of it. I don't know. Luke, did you like the Batman? No, I I didn't. Um, oh, yeah. Thought it was thought it was trash. Really? Uh, <clears throat> we can move on. No, come on. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I didn't think it was that bad. I didn't think it was that bad. I, I one of my favorite things. Uh, so Zodiac is. It's one of my favorite movies ever. I've talked about it a bunch of times. And clearly it's an homage. There's a lot of uh, a lot of that that style. And I, I suppose it's unfair to expect something like that out of Batman. You know, I'm expecting like a three hour procedural uh, out of, uh, you know, action packed uh, IP like that. So, yeah, yeah it, I understand. Is, uh, it is called totally on Batman, not a lawyer. That's or, uh, <laughs> I, know, I know, I know, but it's very much uh, Zodiac inspired, you know, not just the movie, but the serial killer and all right. that. And I just felt like they they hurried through a lot of the cool part to me, which is like the problem solving and kind of digging into the clues and like really trying to figure things out. Uh, I felt like every time there was something to like solve, it was all kind of like wrapped up uh, expositionally. And it was just really, uh, I don't know. It was just like, okay, let's get to the next action sequence. So, uh, maybe I'll watch it again, but that was my thought. For me, the spine of the movie is the, and I've said this before, it's the relationship between Catwoman and Batman. I think it's the best depiction of their relationship on screen. I fucking, it really, it's what carries a movie for me. Wow. Yeah. That, Okay, well, we've got different opinions on the show. That's why it's called. Well, actually, it's not why it's called Cinema Nine. No, but we, yeah, it's got nothing to do with that. Yeah, we do have different <laughs> opinions on occasion. So, uh, Luke, what about you? You've been watching anything lately? You'd like to share with the public recommendations? Would you like to unmute unmute your microphone? You don't have to. I'm shy. <laughs> I understand. 
Um, you are podcasting right now. <laughs> yeah, so Luke, uh, anything you'd like to recommend this week? You're watching some movies on Hulu, I heard? Yeah, I watched it. Yeah, watched watched The Mill. Uh, it's a Hulu movie and uh, not good, but it's... Oh. It's also not bad. It's just a little, it's on the nose, pretty heavy handed. Uh, hard to say it was entertaining. Uh, message was solid though. So, you know, sometimes I get, I can drift into uh, content over form, but this is one of those cases where it's a little hard to forgive. Mm. I appreciate the message, but not a terribly good movie. Hmm. Oh, man. All right. Well, all right. You know, I won't watch the mill then. It's very explicit. It's very explicit. Although, oh, yeah. All right. I like terrible. explicit. Not terrible. I like movies like that. Like, <laughs> like explicit. I love explicit movies. Hell yeah. Have um, you guys watched the uh, Netflix show Lupin? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Spelled, no. spelled Lupin, L-U-P-I-N. It's a French kind of Ocean's Eleven gentleman thief story. It's really Wait, good. Is that a werewolf tale? No. Yeah. No. Uh, Boo. What is the t- <laughs> Lichen, it would be werewolf, right? Uh, lupine doesn't that mean something to do with wolves? L U P I N E. Am I wrong? May, don't you? You may be correct in this particular case. I gotta um, look it up. In this particular case, it's the guy's last. He's the Sherlock of France. So he's the Sherlock Holmes of, uh, of France. Uh, uh, lupine uh, comes yeah, it's, from it's lupus, which is Latin for wolf. Yeah, it's some there lupine has something to do with wolves. Anyways, that's right. What the hell is lichen? Lichen is is wolves and specifically werewolves because it's based on like Cain, the king, the Greek king who was turned into a wolf by Zeus. Cool. That's pretty werewolves. Neat. Now that is a seg- segue if I ever heard one. <laughs> hey, we're doing a werewolf movie coming up momentarily. Uh, yeah. For me, I uh, I watched the movies. Uh, which ones do I want to share? Uh, I saw a movie I'd never seen before. And you said you loved it. You were very excited. So you were so excited that you texted us. I did. And said, hey, I'm watching a movie I've never seen before, and I love it. That's a fact. <laughs> yeah, that absolutely happened. I saw The Accidental Tourist, and I loved it. Oh, God, I, I loved it. Movie. It was so up my alley. I, I thought it was like some lame kind of snobby. A tourist is stuck in Britain for a week or in the 1940s or something during the Blitz. I don't even know. I mean, I don't know where I got these ideas about this film, but it's a modern day tale. At least in 1988, <laughs> it was. And right. William Hurt is outstanding. And Gina Davis won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. And That's right. Kathleen Turner is also outstanding. And then Ed Begley Jr. And uh, uh, the dad from Better Off Dead, David Ogden Steers is a brother of... Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a great cast. It's really a wow. It's it really holds up. I mean, Larry Kasdan, you know, he's made some great films. He's written some excellent scripts. He's made some terrible films. I don't know if he's lost his way as he got older or not, but you know, I think the Excellent Tourist is an excellent film that anybody who's never seen it and you thought it was something else, check it out. It's a modern day <laughs> tale about grief and uh finding out who you are when you connect with other people through relationships it's just an excellent it was really honest reflection of what people are like in a non-hollywood way it was it wasn't hollywoodized up so i give a kazan credit he probably had the the ability and the means at the time to make a movie the way he wanted to make it and if people were given that ability more often we'd get movies like that so excellent tourists good call all right i dug it I wish I'd seen it oh, before. I completely mixed up with something. I'm telling you, yeah. I had the wrong idea about it, and I was mistaken. Well, I was thinking, I was thinking uh, an Alexander Payne movie. I can't remember what it was though. Oh, Clooney. Nebraska. Clooney. Clooney. Not was that Clooney was in an Alexander Payne movie? I can't, yeah, The uh, Descendants. Really? Oh right, right. Uh, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The Excellent Tourist, The Descendants. Yeah, maybe there's a connection. Who knows? All I know yeah. is that it's a good movie. Check it out. And I also All watched right. uh, I Love You, Philip Morris, which is a fucking hilarious film. It's so funny. It's Jim Carrey <laughs> and Ewan McGregor. This movie is so off the walls funny and it's so what? gay. It really? And it's not like trying to be, okay, we'll kind of... It's just like in your face and it's really funny too. And it's not exploitative at all either. It's really well done. It's just so funny. It's a great fucking movie. I strongly recommend how, if you never saw how it. Gay, 
How gay is it on a scale from one to D train? <laughs> I never saw D train, so I can't. Yeah, you on. did. Yeah, you did. Did I? You with uh, Jack Black? I swear to God. No, I never I, saw that I, one. Oh. I've heard this come up before. Wait, I've never seen this movie. D train is wow. the gayest movie you can think of. <laughs> no. Travis <laughs> uh, Maybe maybe Salo. Maybe uh, I never saw it. But I'm aware of it. Fox oh, okay. and his friends. It uh, sounded terrible, so I didn't watch it. Oh, okay. There's, uh, th- I, I think it probably makes for a decent comparison in terms of this movie. Um, it's wouldn't be, it wouldn't uh, holds wouldn't hold it or carry its own water against anything else. Uh, uh, okay. Well, I, I love you, Philip Morris is really funny, and it's supposedly based on a true story, which makes it so stupid because Jim Carrey <laughs> is just. He's just in the zone in this one, but he's not like liar, liar Jim Carrey. He's funny, but he he really goes in a different zone in this movie, but he's definitely energetic. It's different. It's goofy, but it's not classic goofy Carrey either. It's weird, but it's really funny. Definitely recommend I Love You, Philip Morris. Enjoyable film. All right. So having said that, it is time for us to lock in on our focus, our main feature for this week. It is a film that is a Stephen King story, but it's, was the story not called Silver Bullet? Was it called something else? Was it a short story? Travis, I Cycle feel like- of the Werewolf. There you go. the novella. I knew you knew that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even if it came up on the title's credits, maybe in the beginning, which it may have. It did. It did. Yeah. Okay. But also, this is, a scra- <laughs> this is a screenplay by Stephen King, too, which is somewhat rare. Oh, okay. Well, it's uh, Corey Ham and Gary Busey doing their <laughs> thing here. And a cast of... Classic character actors that we all have come to love. Terry O'Quinn and, of course, as Luke pointed Lawrence out. Tierney? Lawrence Tierney. Lawrence <laughs> Tierney. And you're right, I got to I got to assume that you you picked this movie because it's a Lawrence Tierney. I film. did not. I only picked <laughs> it, this movie because. It did because cross my mind. I, I forgot. There's so many things this movie, we'll get into it, what brought back to me. But I picked this movie because I watched it when I was a kid a lot. My Twice removed stepdad DiBiase had it on VHS and he loved this movie. <laughs> he made me watch it and I ended up enjoying it. I thought I did anyways, but I think I did. Yeah, I, I, I watched this movie a lot and I quoted it a lot. Holy Jesus. Mm. Whatever he boosts, he says, holy Jesus, Palomania. I don't know what he's ever saying there when he says that. I used to say it all the time when I was a kid. And oh my God. I never knew what I was saying. I was like making it up more than Busey was making it up. I'd be like, holy Jesus, Palomania. That's not what he's saying. I don't know what he's saying, but. <laughs> He says, I know he says Palomina. I had the, the Palomina song. So I was like, yeah. yeah, it's this holy sweet Jesus Palomina or something. Oh, it's Palomina. <laughs> it's Palomina. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to stick with Palomina. Right. I don't care because that's what I said as a kid. And I know it's, it's wrong. Better. But uh, yeah, that's why I picked this movie because I loved it when I was a kid. And I have not seen this movie in decades, truly. It's one of those rare moments where it's really been that long. So that's why I chose it. Uh, Travis, have you ever seen this film? You know, it's really funny that I didn't until maybe I think I, I've seen I think I saw it for the first time since we started this podcast. So I think it was in the last handful of years, which is really weird because when I was a little kid, I was obsessed with werewolves. I loved werewolves, but oh. like they also scared the fucking piss out of me because, you know, Michael Jackson and the thriller is what started it all. And so like I was really, really interested in werewolves. But this came out in 1985, which is right about when I was really into werewolves. So like. I think I was just way too terrified to watch this movie. And I just for some reason, I didn't get around to it. I don't know why. But uh, yeah, so I've seen it, but I don't have like the nostalgia factor going on for it. Lucas, what about you, buddy? Yeah, is it the same here? Same here. I, I saw it years ago. Uh, probably creeped me out. It's 1985 this came out, huh? So yeah. Yeah, yeah. It probably, it probably scared me. I, I was very afraid of horror film like this isn't really that much of a horror i mean it's got a lot of funny moments in it too yeah but when you're five a movie that starts off with some guy's head just getting casually knocked off his shoulders oh that's right oh yeah hey that's the manager from major league lou boudreau (laughs) yeah there is that lou lou brown lou brown gets his head yeah knocked off right away Oh, that was Lou Brown. That was Lou Brown. Yeah, oh, I fucking missed that. Oh. Yeah, there's a lot of like, y- like you're used to seeing these guys old, and now here they're young instead. Actors like the guy that works at the gas station. Like usually he's just this this decrepit old man, and like, oh, look, like, here you are at 35, and you still have like Ketzer's mitt face. But <laughs> he does still. Yeah, you want That's me to right. answer up for oh, you? Man. That guy's face. Yeah, mm-hmm. seen that guy. Oh, I'm telling you, this movie is loaded with character actors' faces that have been a part of our lives since yep. we've been born. So, um, oh yeah. Yeah, so I I watched it. Uh, yeah, this was the first time in 
yeah, in about that long, probably been 15, 20 years. I think I tried watching it, never, uh, never finished it. Uh-oh. Well, oh, that could be yeah. a little bit of a tease, folks. Uh, what's the IMDb rating on this, guys? I think it's not great, but not terrible. I'm going to say this is like a 6.5, like just right down the middle. Yeah, I'll say 6.7. I'm going to go lower than that and say, I'm going to say it's like 5.5. Five. Ooh, 5.5. 6.4. Yep, it's right down the middle, basically. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And right. uh not it's only thirty thousand ratings. That's not a ton. That's lighter. That's definitely lighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, currently up in popularity though, because it is that time of year, Halloween, spooky season, spooky yeah. seasons. Over on Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> where things are never really what they seem or appear to be. But <laughs> we keep going there anyway. <laughs> Damn right we do. We're just trying to. Uh, oh, did nobody saw the new Taylor Swift movie by the way in the theater? Uh, nobody brought that up during quarantine viewing picks. So I guess. Uh, <sighs> Dude, I I actually I I actually like Taylor Swift as a person. I think from at least for someone who's like super mega famous compared to other people of her you know caliber uh, caliber of popularity, I couldn't name a single song. I could <laughs> nope, not tell you a single either. song she's ever written. Yeah, I don't. I want to say there's one about a cannonball or a wrecking ball, some sort of ball, right? Uh, that, that was Miley Cyrus. <laughs> that was actually Miley Cyrus. <laughs> okay, I don't know exactly. <laughs> I don't know any of her songs. The other. Uh, you can ask our friend Jason Vivian when you see him at the feast. I think he called himself a, a Swifty like eight years ago. So he could probably you know, tell you. I don't you think in. I'm going to ask him. I don't no, think you will either. Him. I don't expect that to happen. <laughs> You're just going to let him live that down? It's going it's to go away? <laughs> eh, whatever. He's I won't a, let it go. I have no energy anymore. Fine. And, and oh. I can't Who cares? Well, on Rotten Rot Tomatoes, it's a 41% from the critics. That's a splat. And mm-hmm. also a 56 from the audience, which is a dumped over bucket of popcorn anything less than 60 no good no. the argument has been made that stephen king writes really good books <laughs> period uh oh okay our old pal rob gonsalves from rob's movie vault oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, this was last year he wrote this this dreadful borderline campy movie about a werewolf on the prowl in a sedate town is long on gore and short on logic the fuck is he judging this movie on? I'm going to watch uh, a werewolf movie compared <laughs> against its logic. That's right. That's right. Yeah, this, this one oh. doesn't make any sense. There I'm, are some <laughs> moments, though. Do you? I mean, like, I understand you're in a wheelchair, but do you need to set up fireworks about four inches from your own face? No. <laughs> Not logical. No, I hate fireworks, so I'm already just like, fuck that shit, you know? So. <laughs> But that's me. Yeah, I have a bias against fireworks. Um, well, also he does give him. He does. He uncle does give him fireworks, and then sends him off on his way. He goes and shoots. <laughs> he's supposed to be shooting these fireworks off. Fireworks off in the middle of the night by himself. Right. Yeah. And he said, "Watch out for the this werewolf." Is so strange. Here, here's a pack full of fucking fireworks. Um, watch out for the werewolf, which actually I think is a serial killer. But either way, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> You be careful, right? He doesn't. doesn't it was that the thing 80s. Not have headlights. It, it was, was the 80s. We wouldn't. We we never even blinked. Like put a helmet on him. No, no. It's the fucking 80s. Never, no, no, never no, blinked. No, no. no, he's already paralyzed. Helmet. Who cares? Yeah. So <laughs> helmet. Why don't you? Oh, why don't no. you crank up this engine? Make it go faster. That was this. That was the uh, the viewpoint in the 80s. Anyways, uh, we got yes. our old pal Roger Ebert checked in on this, of course. Oh, Ebs. Yeah, he was in his prime long ago, and he didn't have much to say other than. There are all sorts of sly, satiric touches in the film. You like King it. Doesn't like, Stephen King doesn't like Christians very much. It comes apparent in this film. Which I guess. Is, yeah. Okay. You got so things to say on the subject? I thought you might. I wrote down <laughs> some really interesting. And it's funny that Luke, of all people, is on this show because, boy, this movie has got some modern day to the, right now. Like this movie could have been written. The words people are saying, some of the characters are saying in this film. It's I would like, never willingly hurt a child, he says, <laughs> as he's about to kill a child. <laughs> right. right. I never willingly. But these, these characters are right out of like the right wingers playbook. A lot of these things like the drunk guy, the dad of uh, his girlfriend, like goddamn God. government. 
in Texas. And that Andy guy who's organizing the whole mob is like, these fucking yep. these cops couldn't do shit. Like, yo, we got to take. There's all these things I wrote down. That was like, this yep. is and still that, today. <laughs> that is all. That's so Stephen King. I always say when I uh, the, my biggest influences that turned me into a leftist growing up were Tracy Chapman and Calvin and Hobbes. But I need to give more credit to Stephen King too, because all of his books are just. It's exactly like this. There, there's some repugnantly right wing character, and then that character <laughs> dies, and you're like, yes, that's that's like that's in every fucking Stephen King book. I swear to God, he's not just working out daddy issues. He's like spreading leftist propaganda. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, it at makes the, sense. Yeah, at a young adult level, for sure. <laughs> yeah, are we gonna are we getting to these quotes at some point, Mike? Go like ahead. Yeah, fashion, don't pull or? the Eric. Just do it. Yeah, if it comes to mind, just say it. So. Yeah. Otherwise, you don't remember to do it. Yeah, he Eric actually forgot. He's like, he did. Yeah, he, yeah, he forgot to get into blah blah blah. I, I, he never did. I, yep. <laughs> oh my god. No, I I took I had to take a note of this one too. I had to like I had to watch this scene like three times because that that drunken dad is so fucking out of control. Yes. His name his character name is Milt Sturmfuller. <laughs> He's also in all the right moves as like the town principal who's also a drunk, which came out two years before this movie came out. I recognize him right away. I'm like, oh shit, this guy is always in a rust belt town playing the local drunk. Wow, what a what a typecasting for this guy in the 80s. Dude, (laughs) his line specifically. I almost can't do it. I almost need you to do it, Mike. It was damn cripples. Yes. Always end up on welfare. Yes. Ought to electrocute them all. Balance the damn budget. <laughs> yep, that's what he's concerned about. Wants to balance the budget with with eugenics. Hey, nineteen eighty five. He's one of Reagan's budget. finest. Yep. Some fucking some <laughs> shit kicker and a. Oh my god. Well said, yeah. Luke. That's exactly the line. About, yep. Complaining about the fucking budget <laughs> and that guy, right, that guy got to work with you're young right. hollywood's finest changed. so he got to work with Corey Haim and tom cruise i mean that guy had a good run so good for him yeah he had a good run solid. <laughs> fucking solid but yeah Dude, i just that, got yeah, that, that vibe was, from that this was mind blowing yeah that was great if stephen king does that a lot with his stories and i want to commend him more i didn't know that as much because i'm not yeah. the stephen king of file that you would be or others would be and it just really rang true like it didn't matter what decade this movie still would make sense from that perspective of the local town people who are pissed off about the same things they were 40 years ago that they are still today, or at least they think they're supposed to be pissed off about because that's what the government tells them or people tell them. So propaganda. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And that's mm-hmm. one of the other really, there's a lot of like very Stephen King things happening in this movie. And um, one of them is the townsfolk generally you, you're getting to introduce all these different perspectives and different people. And, and usually it's a lot more in depth in his books because you're getting, he always writes from like the character's perspective. Oh. You know, no matter where, no matter where he's writing from, for the most part. Um, but you do kind of get that in this movie. You you get the sense of this peopled kind of place. But the thing that he does in this movie that is the regular thing that he does, where it's where children know some sort of secret, um, adults don't know it, so the children alone must uh, deal with it. That is that is like every like okay now it's gonna be a clown now it's gonna be you know a vampire <laughs> now it's gonna be a werewolf yeah and that's uh that's pretty much what he does. Also, the guy who is the werewolf, the preacher, the reverend. I mean, yes. the guy looks like the big. He I would not believe he's a reverend at all. He when he's not a werewolf, he looks like <laughs> the, the cast, biggest asshole the casting ever. Is, the casting is hilarious. The second that guy hits the screen, you're like, that's the. <laughs> Fucking werewolf. Yeah, Everett McGill. Which honestly, it would be kind of fun if they had left it where you're not sure who the werewolf is until the sister sees the one eye on him. Yeah. But instead they do that fucking dream sequence. Oh, the wolf you know orgy? Some, yeah, the wolf orgy, the, the church wolf orgy dream sequence. But you know That's some funny. producer was like, look, we're we're 30 minutes into the movie. We gotta have some fucking werewolves in here. Make Terry Quinn and everyone else into a werewolf just for this one <laughs> dream sequence. We'll 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 show our hand 25 minutes before we actually reveal who the werewolf is later on, just for the fuck of it. I was I laughing. Forty bricks of makeup here. Yeah, I got a lot of laughs out of that scene. I, I forgot I about that scene, latex. and then I start seeing. I'm like, everyone's. I first start laughing because everyone starts changing slowly. Into and by the way, some of the uh, changing effects are not terrible in this movie. Some are terrible. No, but yeah. when everybody's in that dream in the church and they're all turning into werewolves, but they got these looks on their faces, and I'm just like, wait, oh, this is not reality. Oh, this is the dream. Yep, uh, I remember this now. Yeah. And. And I was laughing yeah, so by the time the I saw the wolves all over the place doing this, like, uh, you know, doing the thriller thing. And <laughs> it was so stupid. <laughs> the like transformation part of it was actually 
pretty cool looking. It's the the dumbest part was like just the werewolf standing there. Like that would be the easiest <laughs> part, I think, to make look so, convincing. Okay, so when this the werewolf just standing there. He looks like a big Doberman pitcher. <laughs> or something. This this is the problem, pretty much, with the movie is that Don Coscarelli started directing this movie, and Stephen King had very specific directions that he wanted for, and so did the uh, designer of the creature, whose name escapes escapes me. But they had really specific directions. They wanted the the wolf to be like in shadows, kind of vague, never really seen him up close and having it be kind of like scarier that way and the producers are like no we got to have like you can, we want you to clearly say the yeah, werewolf more cowbell right to the exactly more cowbell to the point that don coscarelli quit and then the, the this new guy dan atias came in and they ended up you know buckling and having to go with the what the producer wanted anyways which of course the producer was fucking wrong you shouldn't see the werewolf this well it takes away a lot yes um, because it's not the best effects and it's it's you're showing jaws over and over again it's like dude you got it like you need to less would have been more here king and the other guy were right but everyone yep. was you right thought, the i mean you would have thought like the movie producers would know better <laughs> you haven't seen the player have you <laughs> we did that episode too we did that's fun oh. but yeah that was a good one yeah so yeah you're right about that i agree i, I didn't think about it exactly that way but you're saying that it out loud travis sense, it makes all the sense in the world to me i completely yeah. agree uh i do i think that some of the changes do look cool i don't think they look like claymation or cheesy i thought they did a pretty good job of when you get to see the hair growing and the face extending it's kind of cool it's not god awful but yeah just seeing the guy in a costume like that standing there it's stupid as fuck he looks like a guy uh, if he was at walt disney world or something and he was in the werewolf costume like, yeah and since they replaced their director i think that they had to rush editing and all that kind of stuff too because like this is one of the i mean I've, we watched 174 movies and it's not often that i have notes like hey poorly directed scene like for <laughs> instance the, the scene where, where we're introduced to marty and, and jane his girl his sister and like the snake is hanging from the tree and you know she falls back into the puddle all this stuff is happening and it's just like this it's either like this really far back shot from like, and like you're seeing everything just kind of unfold or it's this extreme close up yep. on Corey Haim's face. And he's like, no, no, <laughs> it's like just back and forth from these two angles that are just neither one is really serving the scene very well. What was with that couple, by the way, That's too? Like, he's like, I'm not having your bait. Well, that, that couple was had nothing to do with anything, right? Like, oh my god, that oh was no, amazing! It, it was setting it up so that we know that the woman's going to kill herself, and that's why the yeah. werewolf kills her because he's saving people from killing themselves, or <sighs> you know, he's god. killing sinners in his mind. I guess I totally missed that. I mean, yeah, I, he, I didn't, well, he yeah. says it. Yeah, yo, he you're right. It. He does, but I still didn't put two no. two together. I didn't know it. You meddling little shit. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a great. Okay, he say that all one. the time. That was like, <laughs> I love that line. So God. I'm I'm disappointed I didn't have that one in the holster my whole life. I know, I right? I've been saying that. I could have been saying that for the last 35 years. <laughs> completely missed out. This is also produced by the yeah. legendary Dino De Laurentiis. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was the one fucking things up. Dude, you could correctly. Just, <laughs> <laughs> you could just guess that from the first fucking sequence. Yeah. Exact the exact uh, like clumsiness and and shots and all that too, but there's so there's just something about anything dealer rent is it's got his fucking breath all over it but why does it say in the imdb <laughs> trivia that dealer was disappointed in both the way it looked and the way the costume actor moved when it comes to the werewolf so he's a classic ass maybe i'm wrong but he he may have been on the team that was opposed to the show oh, okay. to the werewolf too i'm not sure but, i do know that they ended up um using everett mcgill in the werewolf costume for most of it Ah, well, they also say, who knows if this shit's true at the time. But, Very needlessly. Yeah, the, uh, they hired a accomplished modern dancer to be in the suit, and he was specifically hired for his movement skills. And, that's, and they didn't like that. It, was, it, it really it really came through in the film. Yeah. Uh, if you want a pure wedding werewolf, that's what's how's, who's that? That's going to convince no one. I, uh. I was I did make a note of uh, violence. Very balletic. <laughs> you did yeah. say that no shit wow yeah, that's also, yeah, yeah i made a note yeah. of that why does the werewolf breathe like darth vader it sounds like uh, he's wearing a mask breathing it's but it's like <laughs> i'm the werewolf wearing a costume with the mask <gasps> when it's first person werewolf so stupid yeah that mike that's a good point that's what it is it's acting <laughs> like 
<laughs> it's acting in the werewolf costume. He's, you should be dancing. Uh, I uh, That was baffling. But also this movie, I mean, this is prime Gary Busey. This is great. Gary yes. Busey can make this movie a lot more tolerable than maybe it should be because he's just so lively in this film and he's not like crazy you know we all know what we've said and what's become of Busey that he gets a lot of shit for being this maniac quote unquote but yep. he's crushing it in this role man he's really good he shows love in a way that I think Stephen King probably was happy about because Stephen King's trying to I assume Stephen King's trying to do a balance of like this uncle really loves his nephew but he doesn't want to give him too much uh, you know, like treatment because he's crippled, but he also wants him to know how much he's loved and care for him and that he can be his own man, even though he has this handicap. But I just liked how that came across like the screen. No, he doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. The, another theme, there's a lot with Stephen King that are like recurring tropes. Uh, and of course we know it's like long struggle with alcoholism too. And, and mm -hmm. of course the, the uncle is, struggling with uh well he's not really so much struggling with alcoholism <laughs> so much as his um <laughs> sister is his yeah. sister <laughs> struggling with his <laughs> alcoholism with his drinking <laughs> right. I like it. so i think that's the that might be the fun side because I, I think there was some old quote from stephen king where he said like you know if you knew me when i was drinking we'd we'd have a lot of fun together like i was a fun drunk or and something. these were and I think drinking years for him yeah yeah and i think that's maybe one way of kind of laundering that image uh, i don't know <laughs> Yeah. But maybe it's just the way he sees himself. Like, hey, I was like the fucking fun uncle, man. I had a great time. <laughs> and if my, you know, if my nephew had, had a, a handicap, I'd be fucking sweet. And I'd build him a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's I, I do. I thought his performance was amazing. I yeah. thought it was so heartfelt and lovely. And yeah, he was great. Yeah. One of, one of the best Busey performances for sure. And he got to ad lib most of his lines. Apparently um, he was. He was. <laughs> Was kind of given free reign like even Stephen king wrote the lines which are pretty wooden his dialogue is pretty clunky in the mouths of a lot of these even pretty accomplished character actors and that's partly yep. why gary Busey shines so much because he's not speaking stephen king's dialogue <laughs> that line about uh singing soprano in a vienna boys choir is uh fucking hilarious <laughs> what are you gonna make lemonade <laughs> in your pants yeah see that's what i'm talking about that's a that's a such a stephen king line and it's terrible <laughs> I didn't know that. No shit. Okay, that's good to know. I, I, I seeing that peacemaker bat really gave me such flashbacks because I was like, oh my god, the peacemaker. For me, that was a nostalgia blowout because mm -hmm. I'd forgotten about it entirely. But that was this movie with that bat, and of course, it becomes a key piece later on when uh, Jane goes around town. Uh, also, when Jane gets confronted by the Revlin in the can room, there, like very clearly, she's not trying to hide that she's afraid she's terrified and the reverend lets her go like just say hi to your brother for me like i don't what's the motive wait that's yeah, a odd choice yeah i don't get what's happening yeah so, odd choice as a murderous psychopathic werewolf yeah <laughs> two, two points on that one is that like you want you know when you're watching a werewolf movie you want to watch not one but two characters beat to death with a baseball bat by a werewolf no i don't want to watch a werewolf kill someone using his claws so i want to watch him beat people with a fucking baseball bat in the fog yeah um but then also yeah th there's like this weird confliction happening like which is normal in werewolf stories where like the werewolf is like doesn't you know as a man he doesn't want to kill but as a wolf he does that's what is frequent but here you have this weird scene in particular where the townsfolk are all getting ready to leave and and the reverend Lowe is like trying to stop them all yes. it's like is he trying to save himself no it seems like he's trying to save them but then like two movies the, a few scenes later he's like it's daytime i'm gonna kill this kid because he knows who i am yes so it's like where the fuck is his motivations here like it it's it's wobbly you just crushed it. Yeah, yeah no, it's completely. Yeah, it's two movies. It. Yeah, you're right. All, all the it makes no sense. The change of directions and all, like you said, all this back around stuff that was going on. It's like two movies. It is like, hey, we got two motivations two for each character. Yeah, two directors, yeah. two motivations for everybody. Okay, <laughs> right. You know what I got to say to that? Holy jumped up, bald headed Palomina. <laughs> <laughs> Holy jeez, Palomina. Oh, he's still time. So much fun, Palomina. Also, um, that dad brady's dad uh he does good acting right i no i was gonna ask i wasn't cool. sure because initially it seemed like he didn't fit the character in a way but then like he did fit it again it's almost like there was two versions of him i i, I just thought he looked really i didn't believe he was bald first off i know it sounds weird i'm like is he really bald it's <laughs> like his yes 
Oh my god! His head and his face aren't like fit. There's something like it was weird. I don't so know what it was. So distracting. I thought he he was wearing like a bald cap and a fake mustache. Yeah. Oh, so you he okay? May, he may have been. I mean, honestly, at the time, like the resolution on on film back then, they would do that kind of stuff all the time because like no one could tell. And yeah. now everything's all HD, and it's like, well, you can really fucking tell. I thought he Although, sold honest, his character. I yeah. Why bother? Yeah, I, I thought like his grief when he found his when he saw his son was really impressive and that whole speech you come here talking about private justice. Yeah. I thought all that was I thought that guy did really good. He for, did, I but he just it, the way he looked, I couldn't role. put my finger on him. Like something is amiss here, but I don't know what it is. I'm confused in a weird way. That's funny. Uh yeah, my that guy that guy was good he's convincing obviously he's like the the catalyst and the justification for everybody kind of unleashing martial law and, and mob violence uh mm -hmm. out in out into town yep. and one thing I, I i have noticed in king material stephen king tropes and themes and all that is there is there's such a focus on the small town, but then there is just the like fucking absolute paranoia, um, especially the mm -hmm. Cold War era paranoia. I mean, he I think he nails I think he like nails that so, so well, uh, you know, with these like little characters. Travis, like you said, like you, you always get introduced to like the, you know, the I don't know, the the drunk uh, sheriff or the the right. these random people, beef, the befuddled sheriff and the, right. the kids and all like the it's all pretty um pretty consistent but it's so clear and i think the movie did that pretty well without making it seem goofy as shit because that could have really gone off the rails right at that moment yeah another thing that stephen king likes to do in his books and he and it doesn't usually happen in his movies but sometimes it does especially when he writes them is kill kids uh we got a, a kid killed in this kill your movie darlings. and and we have a, a, a pregnant woman killed in this movie, mm -hmm. which like that, like yes. that, that's very Stephen Kingy to like a to pregnant introduce woman who is about to commit suicide. Yeah, it's a double whammy there. Murdered. <laughs> wow. um, yeah, yeah, and then yeah, so that's just like that's so Stephen King. Like he wants to break those kinds of rules, but it becomes like a rule of his own. Like how, oh, I got a kid in here, he's I'm gonna make him kind of a dick, and then I'm yeah. gonna kill him. <laughs> yeah, I I wrote down the. With the prank right off the bat. Oh, laid it on thick right away with this prank. I mean, Jane is just being, I mean, what an asshole. Good God. Yeah. I, I, didn't, I was like, good. Brady should die. I mean, that prank was cool. It was terrible. I don't know if I said that. Also, did you like that jackass joke? Hee-haw. He says that all the time. He calls me that all the time. I thought it was really funny. That made me laugh. I thought it was I thought it was perfect for the character. <laughs> it was. You know what I, you know what I really love getting back to Great Janie? Great choice. Um, I think... I really like the relationship between Janie and Marty. Uh, you know, like they they fought like brother and mm -hmm. sister, but then like he brings the money and she like gives him back some of it. She won't let him overpay. And she apologizes for how she told him about his, her, the uncle's divorce. And the first thing that when it's over, he turns to her and is like, I love you. Like, that's really nice, you know, in this movie to have um, siblings that just don't aren't fucking just they're cruel to each other in moments, but they love each other, too, as opposed to just snarky and like whatever. Yeah, she's annoyed by his yeah, disability. And she's like, he always gets whatever he wants. All about Marty all the time. But yeah, there's right. there's good balance in that. I thought. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I I'm I'm always perplexed by like sibling relationships that are uh, unresolvable or whatever. That just they're angry at each other for fucking yeah whatever reason, and it just you are? never. How are you perplexed by? Great <laughs> comment. Because I I just don't. <laughs> I don't see I don't understand how uh you can have a sibling and not you know love them on some fundamental level. Right. Oh, you're I putting just, yourself I in get, it. I see what you're saying. Okay. Well, I just don't get the bickering. I, I don't get the fucking bickering. Like well, I, and the regularity of it, it's so common in film. I think but it's the up and right? down, that's correct. It's the you know, they they make up, then they get pissed at each other, they make up. That that's that the kids are idiots. That feels natural. That's natural. <laughs> I know, but they always get written they but they always get written as just wooden uh you know, just tropes that I don't know. Well, I don't like yeah, it. It always yeah. kind of bugs me. It's always kind of annoying. Yeah, I agree. They're, they're, they're very seldom like 
do they show sibling love in film? It yeah. seems, which is so basic. Uh, everyone, you know, or not everyone, but you know what I mean. It's well, they're I mean, more Game common of Thrones. Than not. I mean, they're Game also, of Thrones. Yeah. That's one thing. Yeah, sure. That's a little more uh, too much. Too intimate. Much. A little more intimate. Intense. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, also, you know, it's a representation of the two set of siblings. You know, Gary yeah. Busey and the mom, their brother sister, and he mentions that later oh, yeah. on in the movie. And so it's like, I always thought you were that way. Also, turn down your thermostats. Now let's drink. Makes no Turn sense at all. He try, he's the peacemaker, <laughs> breaks up the bar fight. Turn down your thermostats. All right, let's drink. Oh, what? And, oh. and he's a little he's a little pussycat when they get out into the forest, too. He's all, oh, oh yeah. I, I'm so sorry. Oh, yeah, that was bogus. By the way, Andy lives, too, right? Something. Andy doesn't die. The guy who organizes the, the mob, he ends up living, I think. Yeah, yeah. He seems like the most primed to get killed. I know. That was he kind of cool living. in a way that he actually didn't die. The biggest prick of them all lives. That's kind of what yeah. happens sometimes. He keeps on he keeps on facing off with a drunk cop in uniform. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm still in uniform and I'm drinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I got my shirt. Swear yeah, to God, I got my collar loose. Does he say put her there? Like, does he put him there? Like, uh, what does he say right before they their fight gets broken up? I don't know. I, I, I swear to God, I thought I heard him oh. say that. Uh, someone also said, "Oh, that hurts my parts." Yeah, I wrote that down. That's a direct line. <laughs> my Talking about Travis's King dialogue. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that hurts my right parts. Uh, there was, I think there was two black people in this movie. I think. There is the little old woman that. Yeah, that was the first one. I wrote it down. I was like, yep. oh, finally, okay. And then the the first nameless person to be killed in the in the forest. Oh yeah, that's right. Person. Okay, so that was two. Yeah. Wait a minute, but the 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 one that was running into her house, uh, you know, kind of nice to see little reversal in the uh, gentrification game there i liked that too that wasn't like a little old white lady she's like this neighborhood's getting dangerous <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah i, did. Oh, um, I can think i forgot yeah, it's that. it's a pretty but like, yeah it's a you know it's supposed to be a it's tarkin's mill right is that what's called that's tarkin's right mill? yep it's, it's a, it, white 98 percent white probably also the dead 98 percent white, white yeah. town so yeah right. exist. that that makes sense oh heartland was it yeah 99.5 uh <laughs> the dad in this movie is weird. Like he's non-existent in a way. He's totally removed. Like the dad, Corey, Corey Hayes yeah. dad, Marty's father. Right. He's like not involved in anything, but he's I technically he exists. Like, he has like one line, like turns around and he's like, oh, Janie. <laughs> and that's like it. I know. <laughs> like leaving for New York for the weekend or that trip whenever at the end. That's it. All right. There they go. Yeah. Dude. Weird. That had to be that had to be like after the fucking first director and bounced or, or something. <laughs> something did not feel right there. Like they were like, oh, we fucking we forgot. <laughs> I or forgot like, the dad's lines. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Because that shit is weird. That's just slapped on top. Like <laughs> it's like he's not even there. But again, it it was the eighties. I mean, fathers were not as attentive. Yeah, uh, yeah I gotta I, mean, I gotta work from six to six in the morning to eight at night. That's what we do. One of the great, great fears of the of the eighties in the in the Cold War era is the threat to the nuclear family. This absolute paranoia that the, everything out there is there to threaten the sanctity sanctity of our our little unit, the sanctity of our you know yeah. God given right to mm -hmm. you know breed, bear children, and and have perfect little families with picket fences. Right about that, uh, lurking around the corner. Everything is everything is a threat. Oh, by the way, I called that uh, wolf. I called it the monster mash church orgy. That's what I officially called it. So, <laughs> get that That's right. a good one. Good. Yeah, funny. Uh, and also, is it playing kid, music? Yeah, yeah, they're playing the organ, and oh, it's just stupid as fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The oh, organ. God. That's right. The, the music in this movie does. The organ suck. bleeds. Oh, the music. The, oh, it's eighties. Opening and outro music. It's so yeah, but so isn't it? It seems like it's a ripoff of another does. horror movie, actually, to me. Uh, yeah, I couldn't good. place it, but completely. No, it's a ripoff of like every horror movie. Like the high pitched. <laughs> that was weird. Uh, I do also think that the movie does a good job of showing that kids are stupid because. No matter how many times Marty was told after he got a brand new badass rocket ship for a motorcycle for a wheelchair bike thing he got that his uncle just put together for him. And he says, here's some more fireworks, too, to top it off as a cherry top. <laughs> and don't go outside beyond the property. He says it to him like four times. He's like, yeah, I'll go red. I won't do it. I won't do it. Then he does the stupid fireworks scene that you alluded to yeah. earlier in the middle of the night after he knows at least... Six people have been murdered. I mean, yeah. Good God, kids are stupid. 
Which, yeah, I, I thought that was convincing enough, but... Uh, it was. It, it, yeah, it also suggested that there needed to be more supervision. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just a, maybe that maybe that father figure we were just talking about <laughs> could have helped out. Well, Uncle Red can't do everything. You know, he's partying. He's drinking still. It shows exactly. that Uncle Red doesn't quit drinking. He just doesn't drink around Marty still because he's hung over in bed when he gets yeah. woken up by Marty. Like, go back to bed. Leave me alone. <laughs> obscene phone call. Yeah, obscene phone call. That's right. I have pity on your <laughs> uncle. <laughs> <laughs> i did appreciate how he is not as much of a pain in the ass as most adults are to convince you know he kind of always leaves a little room open for uh you know credulity mm -hmm. and uh i yeah that just really makes me like his character i think there's a little projection there too it's like man i wish i had an uncle that lived near me and i could have hung out with right. <laughs> I didn't i didn't have, have that guy of course we did yeah yeah, yeah. and build a jane is like that too she, she's like i i believe you because i know you mm -hmm. more or less and i don't i don't necessarily mm -hmm. believe it's a werewolf but i believe something's going on because you you know i know you oh yeah that's like right that she believes it right too. away yeah that's different yeah but she, she gets pissed like, she almost loses the faith yeah, but she she doesn't necessarily think okay, there's a werewolf, but still she like believes him to an extent, which I think is done well. Yeah, enough to canvas the whole freaking neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Med with, drive. Uh, yeah, with that. That's right. With the cover story. Yeah, with the cover story of goddamn yeah. bottles. We have a four minute montage of awkward people staring at one another. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I really got dragged <laughs> out. And that's how I knew Andy was still alive because he was under that towel in the barbershop. I'm like, this guy's still alive. God damn it! Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, and he acts all put out by that too. Oh, of like, course, that's his way. He's a he prick. He gets everyone else killed. Towel. He doesn't give a fuck. Yep. Classic Money asshole. Grubbing. Classic local Money. townsman prick. Yep. How about the uh, gunsmith? That's like, oh yeah, so so aware that werewolves exist. He's like, oh, you want a fucking, you want a silver bullet because you need to kill kill a werewolf. Obviously, don't try to bullshit like me. I'm a gunsmith. Come on, you only silver bullets I made for craftsman. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they take yeah, they really specific. Take time with that. Build that bullet. That's fun. Yeah. What? A yeah. Thing. See, they really yeah. That movie had. There's more. There's so much more potential in that film. Yeah, how much really of that is. was cut? They could remake that. How much of the gunsmith scene was cut down? <laughs> I don't know, but the fact that Gary Busey takes the bullet out right before the werewolf comes, it's like, oh shit, we got to prolong this uh, climax because oh. it's already going to be anticlimactic once he puts the gun in there and just pops one off in the in the werewolf, and so it's like we got. Glad you said that. I'm glad you oh said God. that because that closing scene is clumsy and terrible as hell. It's not a good like final showdown scene at all. In fact, no. it's actually one of the worst I've ever seen because like he breaks down the door. You get a couple slow-mo Buseys flying through the air, getting smashed into <laughs> things. That was cool. But other than that, he's just the werewolf could have sliced everybody up. It's close quarters. It's not like they're out in the open where they could run away from him. And it yeah. makes no sense that suddenly Marty just grabs his bullet and blows it right into his face and he's done. Like, there's no fight put up, no challenge for Marty and his sister. They're just kind of laying there while Busey gets thrown around and then he shoots him in the head. It was really clumsy and lame. It's the problem with I, making the silver bullet literally the solution. Ah, because that's <laughs> exactly. it's needed. You hit him and, or you don't hit him. It has right, to exactly. end things. Okay, yeah. Right. Yeah, you're right. Well, I mean... Just think of it this way, Mike. It was mercifully short. It was. That's true. Yeah. yeah. If it was going to be clumsy and shitty and there was going to be a well-lit werewolf in a <laughs> or man in a werewolf costume. <laughs> when dancing, a man shoots a werewolf. I was glad it wasn't that long. It yeah, was actually you're probably right. swift, and I appreciated and, that at that moment. <laughs> and they dragged it out by having Everett McGill like pop up one more time. Oh, <laughs> fall back over. Which I, oh, thank which you for I mentioning that. Just for that. Everett. Thank you for mentioning that. <laughs> Fuck that shit. This wasn't yeah. one of those movies. It, it didn't right. fit. Just because it's a horror movie doesn't mean you have to do it. It wasn't a right. jump scare movie, really. It wasn't. It was an oh. It didn't even make any sense. Like, if he's still alive, why is he not? Why did he turn back into a human? It was just stupid. I know. It didn't even like. He just growled. Just us. Oh, that was so terrible. I'm so glad we got this on the record because that was one of the worst moments for me ever in terms of how poorly it was done and how much it lacked being yeah. necessary. It didn't need to be there at all. It was lame. Yeah. Again, you could. It's just. Yeah. It's smacked of producer interference. Yep. Yes. Hey, Everett, we need you to do yeah, those bullshit things realize. real quick. Oh, fuck. All right, <laughs> yeah. man. Uh, by the way, why do I have a southern accent and nobody else in this town does? <laughs> oh, he's, man. He's that's another good one. Oh, he's okay. He was already a pederast somewhere else, got relocated. Yeah, oh, that makes sorry. sense. Yeah. All, right. All right. Yes.
That's it. He is a pederast. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there's also like he doesn't something. There's something between like the the kids not being able to communicate with the adults and and vice versa. You know, there's there's also this element that you cannot trust the people that are supposed to be in positions of authority in our community cannot be trusted, mm. and that is that constantly like runs throughout uh, his films. Yeah. And, or stories. Uh, poor, poor Stephen King. He's had more, more goddamn stories. Just the adaptation has been fucking butchered uh, when they hit the screen. And then even this one, he writes a screenplay, and it's got like two directors and like multiple producers. <laughs> yeah. Like Jesus Christ, man. He's never been yeah. given a fair um, shake. But yeah, but you can't, you can't trust, you can't trust the people that you're supposed to be able to trust. So there's like, not only is there paranoia, but there's like a total sense of vulnerability and. The fear comes from just that, just knowing that, just knowing that every fucking person around, you know, around town could easily be the one that is, uh, you know, whatever that's, that's killing you and taking advantage of you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the violence lurks. Uh, it's the, it's the adults, it's the adults that are doing all the evil shit. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I appreciate that he writes kid characters in a way that doesn't feel, um, that doesn't feel bizarre, you know, mostly kid like kid actors are one thing but kid characters are another and they feel fairly convincingly uh childlike but also like ballsy the way kids are that's fair yeah well mike what do you think i think that's a wrap i think we uh, unless there was something we didn't mention but i think we i think we did it you brought it to the table how do you feel about it This is a deep nostalgia film for me. Even though DiBiase wasn't the best stepdad, of course, uh, he wasn't the best human. Period. I mean, guy had problems, but you know, he always he brought some good movies to my awareness. And I have to give him credit for that. He he, uh, he shared the Hobbit, the original nineteen seventy seven John Huston Hobbit, with me. Uh, that was mm. cool. And and this movie, of course, also oh, he loved the thing. I mean, he had a. I was nice. I wouldn't have brought the thing to the table because it's too obvious. So I love the yeah. thing, but this is not the thing. This is a movie that came out a couple years later, and it's trying to be scary. It is a werewolf story, and it's it's really a one thing I didn't mention. It's it's violent. I mean, it's really gory or like graphic in terms of its uh, depiction of decapitations and heads popping up that mm-hmm. are half there out of the fog and. It was pretty hardcore in that respect, so I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but it's just something I noticed. Maybe I don't watch enough horror films to have an understanding of that part of it, but, you know, Corey Haim's just there. I, I It could have been any kid for this one, and that's unusual because in License to Drive, Corey Haim has to be that guy for me, but in this movie, mm. that, <clears throat> Marty could have been any kid, and it wouldn't have mattered, so that's not great, and... It's just too all over the place. It's for me. I love it. Like I'm always. I'm gonna check back in every once in a while. And you know, oh geez, Palemania. I'll just keep doing my Gary Busey's. <laughs> I mean, Gary Busey enough for me to say it's fun, but it doesn't hold up. It's it's not a very good film. Luke, you're our guest. You want to go next? You want to go last? Mm. I can go next. Yeah, thanks. You know, it's a it's a odd odd little relic of the. Uh, it's it's such a it's such a relic of the post McCarthy era and the, and the cold war era. I, I can appreciate, I can appreciate a lot of the themes that are in here, obviously with all the discombobulation with the, you know, directors, producers, et cetera. You can just tell, you can just tell that there, there was a really good movie in here somewhere. I still find it really watchable. I love the fucking mood to it. It gives me, you know, it's that vintage eighties, you know, nostalgia vibe, which, uh, you know, it's catnip, catnip to 40 year olds around (laughs) i mean it is for me like i just i love that shit it's the reason i watch like stranger things you know it's it's straight up uh you know that that eerie ambiance uh, the classic uh you know small town paranoia the 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 fact that they chose a the correct the correct monster in the church you know i think that that was smart and yeah, also relevant and uh you know i so i liked it i I think is this where we say it holds up right i mean yeah i think for sure it does and i, I would definitely watch it again but i probably take uh i'll take a couple years off before i <laughs> put it back in the old dvd player right on. but i do i love the mood to it if it's on in the middle of the day like on a remember the old saturday like creature features that's right tv 20 of those yeah. i would totally leave that on <laughs> 
Yeah, it's it's a flawed film. No one could argue that it's not. I think it's got issues. Absolutely. Um, I am a bit of a Stephen King nerd. Um, one of the recurring lines in most of his work, uh, as he became more and more like coalescing his story around the Dark Tower mythos, is all things serve the beam. And all the way back in 1985, he's got uh, Everett McGill saying, "All things serve the Lord." What is it? All things serve the Lord and His works, or some shit like yeah. that. So, he, so you still kind of like get that feeling that. For that long, he's been sort of gestating these ideas, and he was, literally. And so that it kind of plays into all that kind of stuff, uh, I, I just eat it the fuck up, man. It, it was the some of the earliest kind of stories that entered my life was Stephen King stories. I started reading him so young. And um, so while I didn't grow up watching this, I don't have a ton of nostalgia. If the question is, does it hold up as, hey, here's a, here's a horror movie Written by Stephen King from the 1980s, am I? Are you going to be entertained? Yeah, you're going to be entertained. It's it's there's there's flaw, but it's uh, there's some really kind of like deep moments going on. It's it gives you a little bit more. You know, we we found a lot to talk about here. I think in terms of the familial familial relationships and the socio commentary that kind of stuff. I, I think that this is actually a a pretty good movie. It it holds up for me. All right. Nice. Is that three for three? No, it's two, two out of three. three. It's good to get a split vote here. We needed that. So you said it didn't hold up for you, Mike? Yeah. That's what he said. I said Did I, I miss that comment? I thought you he said, said a he bunch loved of it. Nice we'll, things about it. Yeah, he said he loved it and watched it again and again. It doesn't hold up. That's yeah. what he said. I said it was a major nostalgia factor for me, but yeah. I, I, I'm not oh, sure. right. Yeah. It doesn't hold up as a good movie. Yeah, but I mean, come on. Yeah, that's everybody's opinion. That's, you know, you can never win here. <laughs> He's entitled. not shaming you. No yeah. one wins. You're <laughs> Well, that was fun. We want to thank Luke for joining us on this one on the Cinema 9 Podcast, cinema9pod at gmail.com. So I email the show. And uh, next week, uh, Eric will return, uh, and it'll go back to Travis. Travis yeah. has his chance, his so Halloween this is chance. this pretty wild. Yep, this is pretty wild. Right, right in time for Halloween, I get to pick the next movie that we do. And I've had this movie locked and loaded in my mind for some time. Um, and oddly enough, the movie that I choose now, well, we're going to have our yearly event this weekend, which is the feast that we do together. Mm -hmm. We technically could watch a movie together at the feast. We could. Me and Eric. We could even record an episode of what we watch at the feast. And the movie that I've had locked in my mind for some time is a feast movie. I want to go back to, because it just had its five-year anniversary, Mandy from 2018. Ugh. I want to talk about mandy for my <laughs> halloween movie of this year oh all right <laughs> oh i can see mike light right up <laughs> i've seen it at the feast so i i know that uh i didn't watch it all the way through necessarily but yeah, yeah. okay this is fun good call let's have some fun with it let's have a good time so we could watch at the feast we don't have to but it's <laughs> certainly an option it would make sense it Let's, makes all the sense together. in the world i mean it'd be the first time we could watch a movie all together but if we uh, did watch it we might as well talk about it like right after because it's not like we're going to want to talk about it a few days after well that is all something that can happen and it might happen so it's an idea it's an idea we'll it's see, an idea. We'll see. And so my pick is mandy his pick is mandy and this is a reason to stay tuned find out what happens next on the cinema nine pod you never know what's going to be creeping into your feed could be fun. Could be delayed. Could happen right away. Who knows? Either way, stay tuned. Last year we did like a collaborative show with all the shows that are part of our little world. It was a mess. Uh, like 11 people talking <laughs> yeah, at once. Yeah, I know. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> I wish the sound was better because a lot of the stuff that was said was good and it was funny. And, uh, yeah. Always trying to be a work in progress here. So thanks for watching and listening. Thanks to Luke for jumping in with us. And thank for you, me Luke. And, thank you, Luke. For me you and Travis. It. Thank you. For Eric. Uh, that'll do it. Damn it. Hey, fuck you. Oh my God. You meddling little shit. <laughs>